it was one of my favorite moments of my life. Like pretty much ever since that moment, my life has just been about how can I get back on a jumbotron. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 48 of the Exploring Washington State podcast. This episode is a conversation I had recently with Lakin Burry and Nat Nickel of the band Cobra Hawk. Cobra Hawk's a five-piece band based in Ellensburg. And you're right, I only named two names, so I'm only speaking to two of the members in this episode. In the future, we're going to get the other members on. And then my grand scheme is to have all five members huddling around microphones and talking to us in one big group setting in the future. But today, it's just Lakin and it's Nat. So you're going to listen to the lead singer and the drummer tell you stories about Cobra Hawk, how they got named, where they play, all the things that make the band kind of this cool, engaging, 90s alternative, uh, power punk, pop music band. Um, you're going to like them. And if you go to our website and you go to this episode page, you're going to find a couple of videos that we've uh, uh, moved from YouTube over so you can watch them there and some audio files that you can listen to and uh, you can listen to Cobra Hawk. So let's get started. But before we get started, I got an ask. It wouldn't be a podcast episode if we didn't ask you to do something, right? Could you please subscribe? If you, if you got the podcast player there in your hand, you're listening to us on your phone, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way we're going to be in your inbox whenever we publish new content, which will be coming out a little more quickly Later this week, we're going to move to three episodes a week starting by the time you hear this. So we'll have three episodes a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, new content, cool things about Washington State for you to listen to three times a week. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Also, if you haven't, why not? But go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. That means a lot to us. We love getting the feedback. Um, We are always looking for ways to improve and deliver content that you will enjoy and find valuable. So let's get started. Let's listen to Lakin and Nat from Cobra Hawk. All right, everybody. I am here today with Lakin Burry and Nat Nickel of the band Cobra Hawk. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. So you guys, I heard about you through somebody who does some work for us on our website. Um, she said, I absolutely had to have you guys on to talk about your band and all of that. So let's let's kind of get our listeners up to speed on who you are and how you guys play music. Uh, that's well, open-ended. That's really open-ended, <laughs> that's, I know. <laughs> where, do I, where do I begin? Uh, well, I'm Lakin. I'm the lead singer in Cobra Hawk, uh, born and raised in Ellensburg, Washington. I lived on the West Side for a while, too. Um, and... Nat and I have been playing in the band for what, like six years now? Uh, no, no, it's, I think it's more like eight. Oh God. Is it? <laughs> so you guys have been together eight years. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we've known each other, what, like 10 or 11 years now? Long time. Yeah. And when, like when I first met Lakin, like I was instantly like, let's play music together. And then another band, another local band was like, forming at the same time and they snagged her <laughs> and so you guys had a pretty good run yeah we were uh, we were called uh, tyrannosaurus grace and yeah we played around for a while and got i guess locally popular maybe you could say um 
And then, yeah, we disbanded after a little bit and we formed Cobra Hawk, me and Nat and a couple other guys just for fun, just to do covers, you know, and express ourselves musically because none of us were currently doing that. And it grew into what it is today. So Nat, what was it about Lakin that made you want to uh, play music with her right away? Uh, I mean, obviously like the, the talent, the voice, um, but also I think just shared like tastes. Okay. Um, yeah. We're both really into pop punk. So how did the, how'd you get the name Cobra Hawk? (laughs) So the name, it's not a cool story. I wish it were a better story. (laughs) We were, well, you can lie, make it up on the spot. Just come on. No, well, I was in, I was on a mountain one time. No, um, (laughs) Uh, it was me and a bunch of other people were sitting around at my older brother's house watching a Seahawks game, and we were talking about how a Seahawk isn't a real thing. And then we all started like making up other mythical-sounding birds, and someone said Cobra Hawk, and I immediately was like, new band name, I call it. And that's the story of how we came up with Cobra Hawk. That's not a bad story. I mean, when, we, when we started playing, like we were a cover band originally. Mm-hmm. And the first like two or three shows we did, we were called Walking Talking Stephen Hawking, which I have to say is a cool name. I it I, might be it might not be okay, but it's yeah. cool. I I mean I'm I still like it, but I it, you know there was just some um, concerns that people wouldn't find it funny. I think there was like a transitional name for a minute. We were Teenage Mutant Power Rangers. I think I think someone signed us up as that name once, but I I, I always thought that was awful. So you started off as a cover band. What were you guys playing back then when you first started out? Pretty much the same thing we play now. Yeah, there's actually a, there's a few songs that we've been playing since we first started, like uh, "Flagpole Sitta" by Harvey Danger. I think was one of the first songs we ever learned. We still play that. We played. Uh, we've probably played "Lump" by Presidents of the United States yeah. like a thousand times. Yeah. A lot of like uh, 80s stuff and pop punk stuff. Easy things to play. Easy things to play. All right. So what was the motivation or who, who started bringing material to to practice that was original? I think it was just kind of like a mutual, like, you know, we'd just start jamming, you know, someone would play a riff or whatever and we'd, we'd jam on it and eventually it turned into something and we decided to actually make real songs. I mean, I, I sort of remember the first two or three songs we wrote, I, I wasn't taking very seriously. I thought they were a little bit ridiculous. I mean, like, they're songs we still play, but I didn't really know where it was going at the time. And I think writing some stupid songs at least proved to us, like, oh, we can write songs together. This can be a thing. And so then it just grew from there. All right. So... I was just watching, this will bounce around a lot. I didn't warn you about that. Um, Warning, you're going to get bounced around a lot. But I was watching your guys' videos and who came up with the video concept for excuses, excuses? (laughs) That was like, we're just in the band room having the discussion, right? Like what, what, what's this video going to be? Do you remember? It was you. I think it might've been. There was like a little blossom of this stupid idea to like, because I was pregnant, and mm-hmm. it was like, what if we do like baby Olympics and like Lakin's like having to show us how hard it is to be pregnant, and then it just snowballed from there and turned into the ridiculous video that it was. It was like 
you you know, you try and make each other laugh with like a more ridiculous idea. And the more people like chipped in, oh, well, what if we had these suits on? Or like, what if we, we looked pregnant? Or what if we like put a baby through field goal and like sprayed milk everywhere? Like it, everything people said, I was like, write this down because we can do all of this. And it just like, cl- it clicked in my head because I, I don't know, I could just see how it would be filmed. So it just happened. I think eventually well, someone... I think they were expecting me to shut it down and not be okay with it. And then when that didn't happen, it actually became a video. (laughs) Then they had to go through with it. So how did you do a casting call for the baby? Oh, the, the, the guy dressed as a baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's my cousin and he's, he's kind of cameos in all our videos. Okay. Okay. I just, his facial expressions. Yeah, are he's absolutely best. hysterical. He he's a good actor. I mean, for what we ask him to do, he always nails it. Yeah. I if it's all right with you, I'll put a link to that video in the show notes because yeah, I I really got a kick out of it. It's a great song and the video is quite funny. So, did you guys film that in Ellensburg? Is that filmed at like the high school? It, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought, okay. All right. How, so let's talk about the, the latest album. How did you guys come up with that? And what, how long did it take you to go from writing to practicing to publishing? Way, way too long. It took so long. <laughs> <laughs> I think we wrote the first song. The first song we wrote for that album was Cool Kid Costume, the very first track. And I think we were playing that for two years before we finally got it all recorded and, and settled. The first time I remember playing the, that song, like the first song from the album, was probably like summer of 2017. Yeah, it, it took a, and then it took a long time to because we were playing so many shows during the summer. Like we didn't really have a break to sit down and write stuff. We just kind of wrote songs here and there when we could, and then we'd start playing them live. And so over the course of the you know, two years playing shows, we wrote the songs, and then finally, when we had enough for an album, we started recording them. And then that took forever recording piece by piece when we had time and when we could all get together and. Managing five people's schedules is always terrible. So it took a long time. That's, you know, five people coordinating that. So where did you guys record that album at? Um, all the, the raw tracks were just recorded in like our garage where we practice. Okay. Um, and, and then that, who produced it and who put it all together? So uh, most of like, I guess I was sort of the engineer or that like yeah. i pressed record a lot he'd for, yell at me okay. whenever I, I did anything wrong recording and then like <laughs> i would go in with all the uh you know alternate takes and like fix up everything so it was like you know every every line she sang was like the best take literally and, word by word he'd put <laughs> yeah i was i was kind of anal about <clears throat> getting everybody to be as perfect as possible on this one and then like once once we kind of had the, the raw tracks as good as we could get them, then we sent them off to a guy named Sam Hughes. Um, he has a company called Phase Flip Audio in Arizona. And so we would just like email him the tracks and he would like master them and make everything sound way better. It's got a great sound throughout. I mean, it really does. So you guys, congratulations. It's a, it's a, do we call them albums anymore? But I'm old. I'll call them an album. You know, I think it's, I think you guys did a great job and. It was, it was definitely intended to be an album like albums used to be. That's what we grew up on. 
So right. that that concept still feels natural to me. Yeah, I wish more 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 artists were doing quote unquote albums. You know, I think. Yeah, I just think the day of you know somebody just keeps releasing singles that are not connected to each other and disjointed is not not that it's not good music, but there's something about putting an album on and maybe not going to the physical act of flipping it over anymore. Like, like we used to have to do, but the idea of listening to something, you know, from one, one, the first track to the last track in its entirety For sure, yeah. There's is like a, a different way of listening to music than what we do nowadays. It seems like there's nothing like a lost art to track listing. Yeah. It's um, so congratulations on that. I think that's, that's pretty cool. So, you started off as is is a uh, is a cover band. You're you're doing your own stuff now, and and do, you know, you're still filling you know some covers and all that. Where do you think you want to go? What's what's the the creative arc you guys are looking at? Well, yeah, it's it's so hard to say right now. Like what's in our future because we don't know when you know we can start that. Um, but we definitely want to write more. We're we're hoping to get a third album out quicker than we got the second one out. Uh, so that's definitely in our future. And then we really want to get back to playing shows. I know we all miss them so much, just being in front of a live audience and that energy. And I miss it so much. So I think that's kind of, for me at least, first thing on the list as soon as it's safe is is to start playing shows again and then start writing again and hopefully get that third album out rather quickly. Do you have stuff kind of milling around to for towards a third album? I mean, I think we've all kind of individually been working on stuff, you know, in our heads and we have yet to come together and kind of put it all. But I have a feeling that once we do, it's going to come fairly easily just because we're, we've all got this brewing inside of us for so long and haven't been able to, you know, let it out. So we don't have anything solid yet, but. Okay. I mean, for me, it's it's sort of a different process because I'm not the songwriter like on any level until I sort of like I like them to give me the pieces, you know. Like, and we'll write a really good uh, riff or or hook or whatever. And I, 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 it's like I can't make the Legos, but I can build with the blocks. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. You're kind of the uh, the connector of the pieces. So, I mean, I've heard little demos that Devin and Kyle have made and um, I'm I'm definitely excited going forward because I, I don't know, I'd, I'd like to sort of cover new new ground, right? Okay. You know, just write things that are a little bit more technical and a little bit more just, I guess, hard to play. Okay. So, so out of that question, then over the years as a band you guys have made some improvements you know technically you're you're better you're more proficient players than you were when you first started i'm going to guess most bands that play regularly get quote unquote better yeah for sure we so are. when you say more technical what do you what do you can you elaborate um <clears throat> i mean do you want to i'm going to joke and say are you, you going to roll out a drum kit like Neil Pert and sit behind. 
<laughs> I don't plan on playing anything more technical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I think just we've we've had sort of a, a rotating like cast of you know members in the band and and I think we're at a place now where like um the technical proficiency is so high that I mean we basically have two lead guitar players and so mm-hmm. like the two of them together we can just do really cool interesting stuff. Okay. You know, I can throw an idea at them and they can do it. <laughs> All right. So when when you were playing, so here's a question I'd like to like you both to answer. Not at the same time, one at a time. When, where's the place that you guys have performed that is your favorite place to perform as a musician? Oh, I think we both have the same place. And that's, okay. Uh, no, wait, 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 wait. The second side, the second part of that question is, where's your favorite place to go and see music being performed? You want to go first, Nick? I mean, I, I, I know that we both love to play at Wally's in Wenatchee. Wally's House of Booze. <laughs> uh, it, they just, it, it's a small place. I don't know. The capacity is what, 50 or something? Yeah. 50 maybe. <laughs> but they, they, it's just so packed and when we play there. And the people, the, the, the crowd is so into it. They're so supportive. Um, it, they, they make you feel like a rock star. All right. When we, Nat, when you and I talked on the phone and you called it Wally's, I was like, Wally's. He goes, yeah, where are you living? I'm like, Wally's. Cause I always call it Wally's house of booze because first time I ever came to Wenatchee that I drove past it. And that sign was just like, that's the coolest name ever. Right. That's just Wally's house of booze. That's just like perfect. Um, but you called it Wally's and you threw me off, but that's a cool little spot. And I was surprised how past tense busy it was i yeah you know just from sort of outsider observation it just seems like they've developed that um scene by just being consistent you know they just have music there all the time and like ando's just a cool guy and everybody everybody in that music scene knows ando yeah yeah it's really the people there that make it so awesome okay so how about when you, where's the coolest place you guys have seen music performed at? Like if a band you want to go see is playing here, you're definitely going to go check them out. Well, I think as far as like smaller venues go, I mean, seeing bands at Wally's is always fun. Cause you, you know, you're right up there. Um, I always really like seeing bands at the Showbox Soto. I think uh, that's a really cool venue. Like they get bigger van- bands, but it's not a huge place. You still feel kind of intimate, like you're right up there. That's probably my favorite venue to to see pl- other bands play. That that okay. that would also be my answer. Just I've I've you know Seattle's sort of the the place where a bigger band's going to come through, mm-hmm. and Showbox is sort of that right size where like you feel like you can get close to the band. I mean, I, I guess. You know, something like White White River or the Gorge, it's kind of a drag to be up on the hill and like they just look like ants, you know? Well, the the other drag is getting out of both of those two venues is a nightmare. It really is. Um, it's no fun. What about the showbox in at the market though? 
Have you guys ever that's, attended a show? I think that's what that's we're what talking I, about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not the. You're not talking about the. You're not talking about the one down by the by Safeco Field then. No. no yeah, the one downtown. Yeah, the, the, the one downtown. Yeah, that's a that's yeah okay. Um, yeah, we saw X there last. That was the last concert I think I went to. Is I saw X at the Showbox, and uh, it's a great venue. You're right. It is. It's probably where I've seen like the most bands. Yeah. We saw. Have X. you ever been to the uh, Tractor Tavern? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Did we yeah, play Tractor's there? kind of a. I don't think we did. You did with with your last band? Did I? I don't even know anymore. I think T Grace might have played there. Yeah. Oh. Is that where Star played? And yeah, we uh, Star plays there. Uh, uh, has played there quite a few times, I think. Yeah, I think I played I think I played with Kyle there and then like Star and then Mark Pickerel played mm-hmm. and your mom got super drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that happened. Her mom like doesn't drink, but for this one moment, we just happened to be there. And anyway, sure she'd love to hear that on the podcast yes <laughs> just make sure to have mom listen yeah the uh, the tractors um i'll talk about it in present tense because i'm hoping it's still going to stay open but the tractor is a great great little venue in seattle it's a lot of fun there's they do a pretty good job of booking um a lot of mid-level you know right older older acts that are still coming around and can sell out four or five hundred people for a night or two yeah, Seattle's kind of been a tough one for us to crack. I think just um, there's just so many options. You know, there's... where have you guys where have you guys tried to play in Seattle in the past? We've played the Central, the Skyline, the Skylark, Skylark, uh, High Where's Dive. That at? Uh, it's in West Seattle. Okay, like by like the Delridge area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, then there's the, the High Dive and the Blue Moon. Oh, see. You're in good company at the Blue Moon. Last time we played there, there was a fight. It was awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So, how do you how'd you guys draw like at those venues? Not very well. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I I don't know. We we typically um, we'll play with other bands that we're friends with, and they'll kind Mm -hmm. of say, "Hey, we're gonna we have a show at the Blue Moon. Do you want to play with us?" And we'll just be like, "Yeah, sure." Mm -hmm. So. I, you know, I just, like I said, I don't think we've ever really got a lot of traction over there because of, I don't know, just exposure or competition or we're just not that good. I don't know. Well, and I, not that I'm a music critic because that's, if I was, this would be a really boring episode, right? But I enjoy what you guys are doing. I, I don't think that, I don't think it's you as players or performers. So I don't think it's that. I think it's it's the promotional, cracking, um, a noisy, a noisy audience. I mean, there's so many choices in Seattle, like you were saying. And I just, that, uh, I'm sure there's people in Seattle that would like us. It's just getting them to the show. Right. It's uh, there's a lot more uh, noise to compete with to get your message out there. Where do you guys play? Uh, where? I say do like it's present tense. Sorry, this is hard with COVID, right? But where were you guys playing around in, in Ellensburg? What venues were there nowadays? None. It, oh, venues. That's yeah. Venues kind of come and go here. I, I, there was a place called raw space for a while. Um, on the corner of, I think what fourth and pine, something like that. Yeah. And, um, it kind of, you know, changed hands several times really quickly. And so the identity of the venue kind of kept shifting, you know, is this a place where you're going to sell PBR for a dollar or is this a place where you're going to sell 
you know, craft brew stuff. So, um, when Lakin was playing in her last band, like they could sell that place out. Like it was every time they were going to play there, it was a big deal or, um, star star Anna would play there. And like, it was just, um, I don't know. It was just like this bubble that burst really quickly. Yeah. And now uh, when we have played here recently, it's usually outdoor stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. like by the little gazebo thing downtown, we'll rent out that little parking lot. We do a lot of stuff with iron horse, the brewery here in town. So they'll have an event and we'll play, you know, we'll be like the house band for the night and play for a few hours. And so usually when we play here, it's stuff like that. What about, do you guys ever go down to Yakima down tri cities area? Yeah. Um, where's the, t- we, uh, bearded monkey in Yakima. We've played there. Yeah. There okay. is, was it originally a bicycle shop? I think it's a, a gym or is there, it a gym? Like one side that still is. And then the other side is a music venue and it's actually like really cool in there. They have this whole big light set up and it's where we filmed our video for, um, get on your knees. Um, okay. like the disco one, we filmed it there. That one's great too, by the way. That was fun. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say with bearded monkey. Um, it was just kind of a random, like you wouldn't expect them to be like a music location, but because the owner is that's, he's just enthusiastic about it. He's just kind of made it happen. Um, and then we play at the seasons. The seasons is a really cool venue. The seasons performance hall. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of, you just make connections with people. Um, right. you know, you just, you just, uh, impress the right person and then they always invite you to their events and want you to play. So, well, seasons is doing that, um, live streaming, um, series right now. Um, right. What's it, what's it called? I'm drawing a blank. Um, two of the previous guests that we've had on recently, uh, Stephanie Ann Johnson and, um, Jesse Butterworth, um, both have done live streams from their recently hmm. and uh have you guys thought about maybe trying to do a live stream we we did a live stream at the seasons i think we did we do their first one i don't think we were i think we were like second or third but it was quite what, do you remember um was it in the summer no because i was very very pregnant so i think it was <laughs> september it was like end of august beginning of september i think because we we were doing a kickstarter for a new album at the time Okay. And so that was kind of like all rolled into it, you know, like um, watch our live stream and maybe buy something from the Kickstarter while you're at it. Sure. So one of the things I asked Jesse and, and uh, Stephanie Ann, how is it to perform in a, you know, you're trying to play live, but you don't have that energy from the, the audience coming back at you. It's pretty awkward. So, yeah. You just kind of fake it, pretend there's people there. You could do like the like the sports teams do and get cutouts of people, you know, put them put them in the stands. <laughs> I don't know. I just it, the one of the things that we've been trying to you know we all try to brainstorm is like how to, especially in in what you guys are doing, how to navigate when you can't play live or you shouldn't play live or there's no places to play live anymore. I mean, that's kind of the other concern is how many places are how many places are going to be able to survive however long this is going to be? And they'll come back. I mean, you know, those venues that are, that might not make it economically, the spaces are still viable. And so some, some entrepreneur will probably step in and, you know, 
create a new opportunity. But I just, you know, I keep wanting to figure out how bands can, can play live because that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I miss is going to see live music. And, uh, cause even though I guess I can now, I don't, I'm kind of like you guys, I don't really want to do it until, until it's safe. And, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, we're kind of in a weird place right now because, um, we were getting together and, and sort of writing and sort of practicing and we were putting out like cover videos on YouTube and just sort of kind of paying attention to what, I mean, I think a lot of bands are doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point, like for I'm probably the biggest problem right now, but like around Christmas and Thanksgiving when it was like, oh, I'm going to have to be around family or I'm not going to be around family. And I, I just, I think I'm the most cautious one. And so I, I, we just don't play together because I'm a little nervous about being in the same room with five people, like breathing air that we're spitting out all over our microphones, you know? Yeah. It's kind of hard to perform and sing with a face mask on and uh, yeah, it just doesn't, it's not part of the look. And it's, I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I just have like an extra phobia. So like playing music is not fun for me when I'm just panicking, thinking like, this is it. I'm going to get sick from this practice. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. No, nobody should. Anxiety is a terrible thing. Nobody should, you know, nobody should have it. So, so yeah, we're just kind of in a holding pattern. Like I think everybody's definitely excited to like, like Lakin said, play live and write but if we can just get that vaccine, then, you know, I'll be, I'll be back in the, the practice space for sure. Well, and I think, I think we're seeing more and more of that happen over the you know next few weeks slash months. I think by summertime, I think this, I think we're starting to look like that's going to be available for more and more people over the next, you know, couple months. And then, you know, whether you, get it or not is kind of, I don't look at the draw and all that stuff, but we'll see. Well, I'm also curious, you know, when we do sort of make a comeback, like are people going to remember us? Are people going to still be, you know, invested in some way? I mean, I, I have to think that the pendulum's going to swing and everybody that's been cooped up for over a year is going to really want to get out and do stuff. But I know for me personally, like being cooped up like this has just sort of like permanently impacted my lifestyle. I've just kind of slowed down and gotten a bit more isolated and I'm pretty comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, it's like so I talk to a lot of people both, you know, for this for the podcast episodes and just in business in general. And I think what you just said is kind of the the bulk of people are saying that, that they've just kind of slowed down, changed what they were doing with them, with their, their free time and their lives. And they're going to be a little bit, maybe more purposeful in how they spend their free time. Right. But I also think that people are going to be more appreciative when they go out and maybe be more present. Um, one of the things that drives me crazy is when you go see a, band play and we're all looking at our phones um, or we're all 
using our phones to take videos of the band and we're not really paying attention to that stuff, I think you're going to probably find an audience that when they go out, they're going to be more present, more appreciative. I think, I don't think whether people have forgot you or not, maybe not the question It's just getting people getting out into a venue where you can play and people will show up. I think people will, I think you're going to have a really big reception. I mean, I really do. I think all, not all bands, but I think bands in general are going to have a big reception when they, when they start playing again. So, I mean, not, not, not to, to make too weird of an analogy, but like we were watching Lord of the Rings recently and there's a lot of, there's a few lines in there about, I think they're, they're talking about like, I, I don't remember the taste of bread and I don't remember the Shire and like, it's been so long and I've been through, through all this trouble that like, I can't even remember what I used to like anymore. And I think it's going to be like that for a lot of people where like, they're not going to care until they get that taste again. You know what I mean? Yes. But then everything's going to come flooding back. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. That's yeah. Everyone's going to come flooding back. So while I'm talking to you guys, I always have websites open about my guests. And so I'm looking at the Yakima Herald and they did an interview with you guys. And now they actually, this, this interview is with you, which is really interesting. The inter, the interview is 2017, right? But the photos dated 2018. I find that interesting. Um, you guys opened for smash mouth. How did you, how'd you guys get that gig? Uh, so we were in a battle of the bands, a Yakima battle of the bands. And, uh, the prize was you got to play at the fair, the Yakima fair. Um, and it was supposed to be like this side, like secondary stage, like super early in the morning, one of the days of the fair, I think. Um, but when we won the battle of the bands, um, they were like, Oh no, you guys can't play there. Like we were too good for that or something. And they said that, <laughs> you know, they would talk to the people putting on the show and smash mouth and see if it was all right. If they squeezed us in right before them, cause they, thought we would be good at opening for them. So that's what happened. I know there was like a weird incident where uh, one of our guitar players had a dream about playing with Smash Mouth, like right around the time that they were announced for the fair. And then, so I think we just kind of like jokingly were like, Hey, you know, we won this battle of the bands. We should probably open for Smash Mouth. Don't you think? And they were just like, okay, we'll see what we can do. And then they just made it happen. Like it was totally unexpected. <laughs> it's okay. So how was it? How was the audience? How did they receive you? Because, you know, when you're always the opening act, I always think, you know, people are there to see the headliner. Um, how did they receive you? I thought it was a pretty good reception. Like people seemed into it. And like, I know, I, I think I could speak for everyone when I say like, we all really put our all into that performance. Like it was a, a shorter set. I think it was only like 20 minutes or something like that. So we just like went for it the entire time. Like we were like, this is going to be the best show we've ever put on because there's so many new people here, like new opportunities for fans. And it seemed like everyone was really into it. And we were on a jumbotron, which made us feel really cool. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, the photo that I'm looking at now. You're, you're on the jumbotron playing your drums and, Obviously playing your drums and uh, <clears throat> yeah. How is that? I mean, that's a little different, isn't it? Uh, it was one of my favorite moments of my life. Like pretty much ever since that moment, my life has just been about how can I get back on a jumbotron? 
it was it's just it was so good it was so much fun um you know you were you're asking about the crowd re- response and i i think for people who didn't know us it was kind of like okay I, I, maybe i've seen these guys in the paper or like yeah they weren't too bad for being like a local band but i mm-hmm. think for people who like knew of us seeing us in that context was kind of like I think there was a, a bit more energy because everybody was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like, are you a big deal now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like our even our parents seeing us, it was like, yeah, aren't you glad you paid for le- music lessons and bought us instruments? And <laughs> it's, it's all worth it now. Opening for Smash Mouth. But, you know, it, it is a different context. I mean, it. I think I think it made people take us a little bit more seriously. So you just said something and you just now I've got to, Total random question. How do your families feel about you guys being this band and in that? What what sort of feedback? Are they supportive? I know for my family, my parents bought me my first drum set when I was like 11. And I was playing in like an all-girl punk band from that point for a few years. And they would like haul my drum set to shows for me and go to every single show and since that point, since I started playing music, that's that's what they've done. They always try to go to every show they can, and um, they support us. Like uh, my mom donated a bunch of money to the Kickstarter to help us with the album, and they like genuinely like the music we make and are very very supportive. It's awesome. So not to tease you, but if you were eleven and you had the family car to put your drums in, you'd get in trouble. So they kind of had to take that's you. That's true. Um, <laughs> What sort of when you were in your this let's talk about that your your first band your punk band uh yeah where were you yeah where were you where were you playing in at, at that age all, all over um there was a lot more of a music scene here in Ellensburg then like with Gus Fest and all that stuff that used to happen so we actually played Gus Fest one year and we played all over Seattle and in Portland and like all over the Northwest it was really awesome. But you weren't able to play at, like, say, the tractor, were you? Because you were underage um, and really underage. Yeah, we they, we did play at some bars, though. Uh, I don't know if the rules were more lax back then, but like, basically, we had to wait in a back room while the mm-hmm. other bands played, and we obviously we couldn't be out in the bar and watch any other of the music. But you know, when it was our turn to go on stage, we'd go on stage, you know, play our set, pack up, and immediately have to leave. But we did get to play okay. at bars and stuff around Seattle. And so how were you received as being, I mean, no offense, little kids at, you know, I mean, everyone's at least a decade older than you at that point. I think. How was that? How was that experience? I think most people were just genuinely shocked at how not crappy we were. Like, I mean, we were 11 year old punk band. Obviously we weren't good, but we weren't as bad as you might expect three 11 year old girls playing punk music to be. Well, you also. So it was just three of you. Yeah. You picked a style of music that was like so gritty and like not i mean simplistic but like you sounded like the other bands you were trying to to be like yeah so who is who is yeah who were your influences at that point uh sex pistols ramones and all that like 70s um british and new york punk um okay i've always been really into nirvana 90s grunge and then you know our singer at the time was really into like Susie sue and all that kind of stuff so Who's the who's okay. the band that where's her husband from? What band was that? The Exploding Hearts. They were a pop punk band out of Portland back in the early thousands. Yeah, it's, that that name escapes me. Okay, how about you, Nat? What was your first band? Were you eleven and carrying your drums in places or? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, we definitely didn't have didn't have it together the way Lake and Span did. Um, we were we were active at the same time, but I'm a little older than she is, so like um, we were definitely playing more like consumer friendly pop punk, and she was playing more like really raw like sniff glue pop punk, right? Yeah. Okay. And so, what were your what were your influences in that early early phase then? If it was the more pop punk, God, I'm just really obsessed with MXPX. Okay. Um, and they're you know they're a Washington band, so I think that helps. I mean, you know, like everybody, when you get started, you've got your Green Days and your Metallicas and your, you know, that like that uh, gateway drug or whatever. <laughs> okay. Um. And yeah, I mean, we just played around like. Uh, we didn't have the spectacle of being like, like eleven-year-old girls that that kicked ass, you know. So we just played where they'd let us play and high school talent so, shows and whatever. So, gotcha. So, Lakin, were you singing then, or were you just playing the drums? Uh, I was singing then, yeah. Um, not as much. Like we had uh, our lead singer and bass player, and then guitar player, and then I played drums and sang, you know, backup mostly. But then I had a couple songs where we'd switch it up and I'd sing the lead. Mostly it was so just when did you, screaming, sounding like chipmunks. But gotcha. When did you switch to just being a vocalist um, primarily? So I think when I was thirteen or fourteen, I started teaching myself how to play guitar. And then around, I think, 15, 16, started another band after that first one broke up where I was the lead singer and guitar player. And that's what I did in all of the bands I was in um, up until this one, actually. I played well, guitar and sang. You played guitar in this band for a Originally, while. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I think we all kind of felt like it was better when I could concentrate just on singing and not have to work. And also, I'm a really crappy guitar player, so I wasn't really adding anything there. Um, so I, yeah, went from playing drums and singing to playing guitar and singing. And then with this band, just singing. But when you're writing music, do you, do you sit down with the guitar and I do, yeah. try to put it together that yeah. way? Okay. So your current, your current roster in the band, how'd you guys all meet? Are they all, you're all local original Ellensburg folks? Mm -hmm. um, Except for Matt. maybe. Yeah. I think our bassist is like from the West side. But he'll probably he'll probably live here for quite a while, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he has a, he has no choice. He has to, right? Because uh, that's um, Nicole, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, as long as she wants to hang out in Ellensburg, yes, it, uh, guys are good. What? It's pretty much up to her, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not going anywhere. We'll we'll make that happen for you guys. So. What we how do I want to say this? Um, well, t let's t since they're not there, let's talk about the other members of the band. Tell 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 our listeners a little bit about your other your other bandmates. Give them give us the, the thirty second bio on each of them. Um, so we've got um, there's me and there's Nat, and then there's Devin, who is uh, one of our guitar players. I never I don't know who to say lead. And who's they're lead both and lead guitar. Both lead. Um, okay. But yeah, he is from here. Um, he's a little bit younger than the rest of us. Um, and he's a little bit more into um, like metal, um, harder, screamier stuff um, than the rest of us are. So he kind of brings that influence into the band, which I think you can hear, especially on the new album. Um, 
you can hear that influence a lot more. So that's kind of what he brings. And he, he has a lot of that kind of creative, more technical playing to him, which I think is really cool. But he also, I believe, is self-taught. Yeah, I so, think he is. So he's like just amazing for, I mean, like no lessons. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle like teaches music. So, well, I'm, I'm not to sound like a creepy stalker, but I'm on his Facebook page right now where it says private music lessons by Kyle Bain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He, he's definitely like our theory guy, you, you okay. know, that, that was sort of missing. I mean, like we all, we'll have like a feel for music, but he's the guy who knows why it sounds good. Like, on gotcha. the, you know, on the theory level. Yeah. Well, and it's like, he's advertising here at guitar, ukulele, banjo, bass, piano, and percussion. Yeah. He, I mean, he definitely is just into music. He can do it all. He's definitely the most talented musician of the five of us. I think just all around. Like he actually, um, are you familiar with the YouTube children's show blippy? I am not. So it's like, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it, it seems like a, a big deal. And okay. uh, the the guy, Stephen, who is Blippy, is from Ellensburg. So he grew up with Kyle and he like had Kyle do a lot of the original music for the show. So like Kyle had this Nicky Notes persona. I don't know if he wants me to say any of this. <laughs> Probably not, but um, he's not here. Okay. so. But yeah, he, he could have been here, and then we could have avoided all this. But this is the price you now pay. We're gonna no, air all his dirty laundry. Uh, I was gonna, I was go. gonna let him have his own call with you if he wanted. Ah, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to put those guys in a situation where we were gonna have to compete for talk time. So, ah, it's okay. And then, what about Matt? Where do we meet? Or, or the bio on Matt? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. What's the bio? I probably on know Matt? the least of Matt's history. Um, he, Matt's been in like a lot of like joke bands. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he'll always say like, oh yeah, in middle school, we used to be in this band, but like we play all the wrong instruments. Like I'm a drummer, but I play guitar and we'd, we'd just be like a mock, what? Like they were in a band called Poon, which is like a, a mock kiss band. That's the, that's okay. how I first met him was at a battle of the bands we played with them. And, uh, yeah, they just put on uh, face makeup and wigs and play really awesome songs. Okay. Matt's well. I'm sorry, good. Go, ahead. go no. Go ahead. I was going to say Matt's interesting because like he actually is a great front man, but in the context of our band, he seems like the quiet one. But like when you give him time to be funny, he is like the most comfortable, like being ridiculous and witty, like in front of an audience. The one, the one thing. Uh, so I, neither of you will probably know the answer to this, but when I'm looking at him. And I'm on your website right now. The violin bass that he's playing does not seem. The hollow body. Yeah. It does not seem like, I don't want to say the right bass, but I'm surprised by that choice. Um, I haven't. Do you have any, idea I have an answer why he's, Oh, you do. Perfect. He loves that bass because it's so lightweight. Okay. Um, I don't know if it is the right base. I think going forward, that may be a topic of discussion. But, you know, we want everybody in the band to be happy. We've been in situations where members of the band were not very happy, and it sucked for everybody. Sure. So I'm not going to tell people what instrument to play, but I'll certainly suggest other, you know. No, it's a cool base. I just keep thinking it should be left-handed and he should look like Paul McCartney. 
I, but I, I mean, I was listening to Revolver the other day, and I was like, dude, can your bass sound like this? And he was like, no, that's a Rickenbacker. So I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, different tools for different jobs, I guess. Right, right. Well, what else have we not covered? This is this is the time for you guys to just say what you want to say. What haven't we covered? This is not like a normal interview because we don't have anything to promote, like except for the new album, which we talked about. Like we don't have any upcoming shows. It's so weird. I mean, this is sort of this is sort of us saying, "Hey, we're still here. We're still alive. We're going to come back someday." Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just kind of out of our control. And stay tuned. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do have a little bit, though. You want people to hear the new album. Where should people go to listen to and purchase? The new album. I mean, I've tried to make it like available at as many places as possible. So like the whole thing's on, on YouTube, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to pay for it. It's, it's all about streaming now. So iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and it, it's, it's on all the digital stuff. And, and we do have, um, we do have physical CDs. We typically sell those at shows for, you know, it's kind of just that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if people put a CD in a CD player anymore. Maybe in their car. I was just, yeah. Yeah, my car has one. I was just trying to think, where do I have a CD That's, player anymore? And I, if, I if somebody like hands me a CD at a show, I'm checking it out in my car exclusively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, people like to have something to like autograph sometimes, or just mm-hmm. just that sort of physical thing to hold. Um, but we've, uh, we we sort of distributed CDs around Ellensburg, like we've um, like boogeyman music and like old school records. And um, what's Mark's called Ro- road trip records. Mark Pickerel um, from screaming trees has like a record shop out the, the, the fruit stand. And so basically we donated a bunch of like physical albums to different like locations around town and, and just said like, Hey, if you want a CD, just you know give these businesses some foot traffic like the money's theirs to keep you know well let's actually this i'll i'd like to close kind of like with this so when you're not working or playing in a band where are some cool play what do you guys do in washington state for fun and relaxation i well before we answer that i just want to be careful what we say because there are certain like i don't know if you'd call them hidden gems but um there's certain like places we like to go swim, for mm-hmm. example. That we don't want everyone to know about. <laughs> so so di- this is where you guys can divert. Send them someplace back. Come oh, on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, you've you've lived in Allensburg, so you probably floated the Yakima River a few few hundred times. Yes. So I mean, we, we you know we kind of go through phases. Like we were really into that, where it was yeah. like, like, oh, every it- weekend we were out floating the river. And then Nat decided we were pressing our luck and someone was going to die soon. So we had to stop. Well, like this past summer, like a lot of people drown. And so I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it at all. And, um, like Devin and Matt and I like snowboard, I think. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where do you guys go snowboarding? White pass is my favorite. Um, but you know, Snoqualmie's close and, and Stevens is about as far away. Do you ever go up to Mission Ridge? I don't personally. I don't think I've ever been there. We were supposed to play a show there a couple of years ago, but there was a big snowstorm and it got canceled because we right. couldn't get up there. Yep. Yeah, I think there. 
Yeah, Mission just put a new chair in this year. Um, upgraded one of their big chairs, nice. and it's a it's a it's a great place. Well, yeah, it's a great place to go snowboarding. So it's just not easy to get to from Ellensburg. Well, and it was just one of those situations where, like, I'm always really hesitant to book a show in winter because mm-hmm. I just assume that there's like at least a fifty percent chance we won't make it, and so. You know, in this moment, it was like, hey, okay, we'll book this show in like January, but knowing there's a good possibility we'll cancel. And then, of course, like that weekend, the weather was terrible. And, you know, we had to make the call like, hey, we're not coming. And they uh, they, they seem kind of unhappy with that. But I think the morning we were going to drive up there, the roads were closed anyway. Like we couldn't have gotten up there even if we wanted to. Right. But okay. But I think it worked out. Like there was another band that we're friends with that played there the night before and they were kind of stuck there. So they ended up just playing again. Gotcha. Um, are either of you coffee drinkers? I am. Yes. I love, I, that's my lifeblood. Okay. With it. So where, where in Ellensburg? Um, so I work currently right next to Utopia. Um, so I get a lot of my coffee during the week there. Um, DNM always, you know, Ellensburg classic. They always have really good coffee and Weiniger's has really good coffee too. Weiniger's, I haven't heard that one mentioned. I mean, I've heard Weiniger's, but I haven't heard them mentioned with yeah, coffee. That's yeah, okay. They have really, uh, they have, uh, I like to get dirty chais from there. Their, their chai tea is really good. Okay. And it's a little tough with COVID because we're not going out to eat or nothing. But uh, now, where's a great place in Ellensburg for lunch? Um, I think my big ones are like the Tav, uh, Red Horse <laughs> Diner. <laughs> Yellow uh, Church. Yellow Church is a popular one. Okay. Uh, Palace Cafe is like the all around. Everybody eats there. Yeah. I think there's some, I, the I feel like I'm forgetting something, but yeah, like the tab is probably like my number one. Oh yeah, There was a, a minute before COVID where like every Friday night we were at the tab getting drinks and food. Yep. So what are you ordering at the tab? I'm a chicken strips guy. Uh, what do I, I usually get like the taco salad? I'm a, a vegetarian, so I get the taco salad okay. without the taco meat. <laughs> okay. So what do they call that? Just salad? Yeah, I guess just a, a regular <laughs> salad with jalapenos on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. I'm going to ask you guys disclose one unknown, not, well, how do I, under the radar cool thing in Ellensburg. Like if somebody's driving through, let's say they're going from Seattle to Spokane and they had an hour to kill in Ellensburg. Something that's not like go walk around central. That's pretty obvious. So something that's a little off the beat. I would path. probably, I mean, as far as like shopping, I would point somebody toward like um, central city comics. Yeah. that's good. I don't know if this counts because it's not technically Ellensburg, I guess. That's okay. We'll let you slide. There is uh, spots like up in the Tiena way. There are these sandstone lined like swimming holes that you can hike to um that are amazing there that's like my favorite place to go in the summer is you you drive like a half hour up into the tiana way and you walk into the woods and there are these awesome little swimming holes the the problem with tiana way i mean a lot of people live up there but also like i think like one of the seattle newspapers a couple of years back ran some article about like hidden gems like and and they like basically (laughs) gave directions to our watering hole and like (laughs) <laughs> it, it completely changed because then every time we went there, it was just like packed with people from out of town. And so it just 
totally kind of killed it. Right. Um, right. No, that's, that's kind of true for a lot of places. Yes. Salmon Lasac. I don't know if you've been up there, but there's some, not for many years, there's great places to swim up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, why don't you uh, close this out by telling people where they can find you online and things like that. And we'll, uh, we'll wrap this one up. So our, our website is cobrahawkband.com and you can pretty much find links to any of our other social media from there. And you can, you know, you can hire us and book us through our, through our website. Um, yeah. All right. So who handles your booking? Do you, you, for some reason, I think you do. We have like a joint email account. So okay. um, like you'll fill out a form and it'll go there typically, or sometimes people will Facebook message us or whatever, but it's never me. Just for the, it, whenever you're talking to anyone on the email, it's never me because I'm terrible at dealing with people. I'm not good at talking and I'm so absent minded. I always tell people last time I booked a show, I booked us an outdoor show in Roslyn in November for $300. So they don't let me book shows anymore. <laughs> yeah. We, oh. Lakin's privileges were revoked because she wouldn't like, um, what's the word? I mean, she wouldn't like fight for us to be in a good situation. She'd just be like, yeah, we'll do it. No problem. It's like, wait a minute. Outside in November? <laughs> well, what? okay, no, in all fairness, somebody else thought that was a good idea if they were looking for a band. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, it was a wedding. Oh, okay. And I, I, I cannot comment on their choices. That, that was their deal. But... Uh, Okay. No, it was it was a real drag for us. So you guys actually did you guys did the show? Yes. Yeah. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into until it was like it was actually snowing for a minute there while we were playing. I think like we kind of thought, okay, it's at this place, it, it, it'll be indoor for sure, and then they just had us outdoor on a stage, and of course, no one wants to be outside to listen. So oh, and there weren't. So it was almost like you were playing a live stream. <laughs> and and I, I don't even think there were heat lamps or anything, so it just. That was weird. So yeah, when you go to our website and book us online, you're not talking to me. Okay. It's, I mean, you know, it all just comes down to uh, exactly like booking this, um, you know, podcast. One of us kind of has mm-hmm. to be the the center point and kind of talk to everyone and schedule and say, who's available? When are you available? And like, you know, there, I just, I just kind of made the call to do two of us tonight because it just seems so much easier to not have to like have the stars align. Yeah. And that's, yeah. When you're, when you're trying to get five people together, it's, it's kind of tough. Um, especially when you don't want to be in the same room. We're not supposed to have five people together. I mean, I, um, Lake and sister is like my domestic partner. So, you know, we live together. So we're Lake and I are basically family at this point you know, spend Christmas together and, and all that stuff. So we're a little less concerned about like spreading germs in our, in our inner circle. Gotcha. So Lake and I, I'm going to ask, are you bringing uh, the baby to shows in the future? I plan to. Yeah. Especially, you know, the, the stuff we do with, you know, iron horse here in town is often outdoor and all ages up to a certain point. And uh, like I said, my family, my parents always like to come to shows, so I expect that they will be bringing the baby to watch me play, which will be exciting. We'll get That's him some little cool. headphones. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> I went to a, um, it wasn't a Grateful Dead show because Jerry was dead, so it was a dead show at the Gorge, and 
there were so many infants with over the ear bulky mm. headphones on. <laughs> it was almost comical to me because dozens of them, you know, little, little children with giant headphones. The last couple, sh- it's been a while since we've been to shows, but the last few I went to, I mean, there were like five-year-olds there with the headphones and they were super into it. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate people that are bringing their small children to shows. Um, I think an infant is probably not going to remember it, but <laughs> no, probably not. But they're it's. it's I mean, cool. they're doing the groundwork to keep that um, culture alive. You know, that's the next generation. So I know I wasn't at a show like that at five years old. So I'm definitely jealous. <laughs> So I just keep coming up with questions when you guys say things. So what was the first show you ever went to? Um, mine was at Gus Fest here in Ellensburg when that was still a thing. Um, I think I was 11. Yeah. Well, cause my, my punk band played and then, uh, right. so this was like my first big show. Um, and that the headliner for that show was the presidents and Sir Mix-a-Lot. So that was my first my okay. first big show that I saw that was, was also the first big show that I played. Okay. How about you, Nat? I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, like Warp Tour 99 or something. Um, okay. And how old were you about then? I think I was like going into high school, like between like okay. eighth grade and freshman year. I, you know, I don't know. That's just the biggest one I can remember. Because <laughs> I think, okay. yes, I got it. So what was the best show you you've you've seen? Like what was the show you walked away from going, wow, that was they were amazing. My chemical romance. Okay. And my MXPX actually so I, I didn't like MXPX until recently. And then uh we all like as a band, like took a band field trip and went and saw them at the showbox market and they were kick ass and I've been a huge fan of them since. Okay. How about you, Nat? Yeah, I mean, I think I said earlier, like, MXPX is, like, a favorite of mine. So, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much any time I see them, it's going to be a good time. But, um, you know, as far as, like, really big bands putting on a show, I mean, um, I've always been impressed with Green Day. I mean, they kind of they kind of have their, like, gimmicks that they do every time you see them. But they definitely, like, they're good with crowd interaction. And they have pyrotechnics and... It's just, um, it's, it's definitely something to behold, you know, they're masters at their craft at this point. Yeah, I would say I would agree with you on that a lot. Okay. Well, thank you both for making this happen. I, uh, I appreciate you both and we will uh, put some links to some things you guys referenced in the show notes for people to click on and, uh, let us know when you're starting to play again and we'll, we'll help spread the word. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.